Amen. Come on, let's thank our worship team today. Thank you so much. Wasn't that awesome? So helpful, isn't it? When you need to shake the dust off, when you come into the presence of God. Thank you guys so much. You know, Donna, didn't Donna a good worship leader? She, I didn't know she could dance either, did you? What a little move that was. That was amazing. Come on, you got to respond to that. What? She can, she can dance as well as sing. Isn't that good? So a few of you moving there, that's really helpful. We need to get, we need to get moving a bit more, don't we? Yeah. Amen. Okay, you ready for the word today? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. You got your Bible? Yeah. That's six, seven. Now you can have an iPad, iPhone. How many of you have got paper Bibles in the house today? Come on, let's thank, let's, come on, let's keep the, keep the paper going. It's good to have that. I can't see anymore, so I've got to have like size 20 font. That's why I've, I can't bring my Bible with me. The fonts are too small. So <laughs> that's the reason. But as long as you're reading the Word somehow or hearing it, that's the main point, isn't it? As long as you're getting it into your spirit. So let me, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the theme of thankfulness. And uh, we are so grateful to you, Lord. We thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, without you, we would not be here today. And so, Father, we thank you for our future. We thank you for the plans that you have for us. And we just pray, Lord, as a church, that we can be a church that operates out of a foundation, a spirit of thankfulness of all that you've done for us. And so, Lord, as we come into your word today, will you do something fresh in us as a church? Will you help us, enable us to, to please you in every way? And Lord, for somehow reach people that doesn't know you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Good to see you online too. You are so welcome. So the title of the message today is, What Makes God Thankful? Have you ever thought about that question? Do you think God is thankful? We're thankful to God for all that he's done for us and for all the grace and mercy and salvation and everything that God provides. But the, my thought in my mind was, is God thankful? And if he is, what's he thankful for? Because that's really important. Because if I, if I know that God is thankful for something, then I want to actually do my best to present him something that makes him thankful. Does that make sense? So as we're just looking through the scriptures, really couldn't find much on it. But then there's one scripture um, that, that says in James 1, and the first, thing, the first thing that God is thankful for, and you'll be, you'll be glad to hear it, is that God is thankful for those that are in Christ Jesus. In other words, God is thankful for you. When you're presented to God, he's thankful because of you. James 1.18 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might become a kind of first fruits of all he created. The first fruit offering was given out a, a way of thankfulness for an increase of a new harvest. And so when, when people get born again, it's like a, a symbolic of a harvest. Like the harvest is plentiful, but the labours are offered. When people come to Christ, it's a kind of first fruits that James is saying to us. In other words, something that of thankfulness is given, which God is thankful for when people come to know him. And so when you think about your life, as a born-again believer, those that trusted Christ as their personal saviour, that God is thankful for you. You know, there was a time in history that God wasn't thankful for what he created. 
In Genesis chapter 6, it tells us, The Lord saw how, saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of human hearts was only evil all of the time. You think that now is bad. That was worse. And if you look at our world now, there's an increase of evil happen all the time. And Jesus, in the days of Noah, that's what it'd be like when Jesus returns. So we're coming to a repeat of history where mankind was now in a place where God regretted of making them. It says that their thoughts and the human hearts was only evil all of the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And listen to this bit. And his heart was deeply troubled. When people say to me, where is God when people are suffering? Read this. God's heart is troubled when evil is rampant throughout his creation. And so much so that God had to bring an end to this evil. Just like when Christ returns, there'll be an end to this world. It will be all over. Judgment will begin with the house of God and those in Christ will not be judged for their sin. That's one of the reasons we need to be thankful for. But those outside of Christ will be judged for their sin and that's why the church has a mandate to go into all the world and to make disciples, to preach the gospel. And so God sent Noah and his family, only could find one man that was righteous who would do what God would told him and his family. And through Noah, God sent a flood of judgment and wiped the whole earth out. It was a symbolic sign of God sending a flood to cleanse this earth. An external cleansing of God's judgment and Noah and his family came out to start again a new creation. Now when Jesus died on the cross for us, his blood was shed and had the ability, please listen, had the ability to wash you from the inside. To wash you from the inside, to forgive you of your sins and to make you clean. Just like in the Old Testament where God would send a flood to make the earth clean from the outside and wipe out all evil. The Holy Spirit for the death and resurrection of Jesus came into our hearts and he washed us through his blood and he made us clean and now acceptable to God and now that we can please him because of his son who died on the cross. And now that you are a new creation, now that you are adopted and brought into his family, he now lives with no regret about your life. Now you do mess up and we do make mistakes, but God has not any regret about sending his son for your life. And he was so excited and happy that you responded to his love that he's thankful you accepted his gift of eternal life. 1 Corinthians 6 says, and that's what some of you were. When you read 1 Corinthians 6, it would be good to go back into your Bible and to, to let Paul describe what some of you were like, some of the ways that you lived your life, the old nature, the sinful desires. And Paul says, and that's what some of you were like, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. See, the Spirit of God, when we respond to faith in Christ, comes inside of us and does a work that no man can do. He does a work that no religion can do. Because religion is external, 
But when you receive Christ, it's an internal work of the power of God that changes us to make us new creations. And so when you become a child of God, God is thankful that you accepted his gift. 1 John 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that, that we should be called children of God. And that's what you are. You know, you come in church today, and I don't know whether or not through life and circumstances and some of the things you've experienced in life with people that don't know God, maybe you've, I've, I've tried to change your thinking, try to dilute your faith. And I'm here to remind you today that God loves you and He's lavished upon you His love and that you are His child and you need to know that. 1 Peter 2 says, but you are a chosen people. You're not an afterthought. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And listen to the next word. God's special possession. Sometimes in life, when things don't work out for us or some things don't work as quick as they like in our lives to become more like Jesus, we, f- we feel far from God's special possession. But the truth is the truth. And God's word is the truth. God's word is final in your life. Other people's opinions are not. Circumstances are not. But God's word is final in your life today that you are God's special possession. And then Peter says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Donna mentioned in a song that God called you by your name and brought you out of darkness into this marvellous light. God is thankful for you, that you accepted his grace, and that's what gives joy to God's heart. You give joy to God's heart. You know, it's great to come and give our gifts and give our finances, but, you know, Romans 12 sums it up that God wants you. The things that we give is part of us, but God wants you totally because he loves you, and you are special to him. Isaiah 43 says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, he who formed you, do not fear. Why? For I have redeemed you. When you look into that, in other words, he brought you out of slavery. He paid a price so he could set you free from the the control of the devil to set you free out of a slave market. Jesus paid the ransom so he could redeem you. He bought you back out of the hands of slavery and now you belong to him. No longer controlled by the devil. Now you can get tempted by him, but he no longer controls you because you've been bought at a price and now Christ has paid the price for you so you no longer need to live under slavery. Say amen. And then it says this, and I have summoned you. I love that. When I look at the word summoned, it means sent for. You, you, you know, when, you, when, when Christ knocked on your door, when Christ came into your life and knocked on your heart, it wasn't like, it was like God sent for you. 
It was like sending somebody, like an ambassador to your, to your heart and saying, God is calling you. God wants you to turn from your sins and come to him and to know him. It was like God, you wasn't an afterthought. God thought about you and sent somebody specifically for you to, to call you by your name because he loves you so much. You were sent for by God. Can you believe that? It's like Meshibotheth in the Old Testament, it was crippled. David sent for him and he said, but I'm a dead dog and sometimes we feel like that. But when you know that God sent for you, God sent for you because he loves you, not to condemn you, but to forgive you and put upon you grace upon your life. He said, I have summoned you by your name. See, it's about a relationship with God. Jesus said, my sheep know my name and they know me. See, knowing God and accepting Christ is not so much about you forgetting, forgiving of your sins and going to heaven. That's a part of it. It's about knowing God now. It's a relationship with Jesus now so we can know him now and for eternity. So many people in the church just think that the gospel is just to get you saved and not so you don't have to go to hell. And we miss out the relationship bit. God came to have a relationship with you and the only way he could do that is to remove your sins. And so judgment was paid upon his son because he loves you so much so he wanted a relationship with you and he had to get sin out of the way. And the only way that could happen was send Jesus. You can't bypass relationship just so you can arrive at a destination called heaven. You cannot bypass Jesus in your relationship to get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one gets to where? The Father. And where's the Father? Except through me. So you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus before you are certain of eternal life because he is eternal life. He is the life that is given us now to live on this earth. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. That speaks to me about personal ownership. When you become a, a child of God, he, he puts his ownership on you. In fact, the Bible tells us he puts his seal of ownership on your life. And so when you read Isaiah 43, and it says, but now this is what the Lord says. This is not what your neighbour says. This is not what your spouse says. This is not what you say to yourself. This is not what the devil says to you. But this is what the Lord says. It says, he says, he who created you, who formed you, do not fear I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Now, on, on, based on those facts, then the next few verses make sense. Because he's summoned me, because he's called me, because he owns me, because he's redeemed me, because now that I'm a part of his family, now he will say, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Flames will not set you ablaze. See, the condition of the promise is relationship with God that you become a part of his family. And based on that promise that you are his, then all the things follow about his protection, provision, and in walking you through. And what I like about Isaiah, it says that when you go through, it doesn't say when you go around. 
And a lot of Christians love to go around the problems or ask Jesus to wrap them out of a problem. But actually, God wants to walk through with the problems with you so you can become more like him on the other side of the victory. And sometimes God will deliver you out of a problem, but sometimes God will walk through with you a problem. See, I can't get my head around the Bible because you can't put God in a box. Because if you think about Stephen, actually he died stoned to death, but Peter was a, got escaped by prison by angels. So it, was it favoritism? No, it just happens to be whatever is assigned to you in your walk, you have to go with God and trust him. And there's sometimes that you'll make a prayer and God will deliver you straight away. You won't have to go through some of the stuff, but other times you'll have to go through it. But the assurance is, my dear friend, is that God promises to be with you. And not only that, he promised to be with you, but the things that you feel is going to overwhelm you won't do, won't overwhelm you. The things that you think you're going to get burnt by and come out totally a wreck is not going to happen because God's promises that even your experiences, the overwhelming, drowning experience of life, over the, over the heated experience of life, you will come out on the other side whole. That's God's promise to us. And it's based on God's faithfulness to his people. 2 Corinthians 1 says, Now it is God who makes both of us stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guarantee what is to come. See, you can't, you can't separate the work of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as soon as you experience Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit automatically comes into your life and, and awakens your spirit to the things of God. It's hand in hand with the work of God in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you more like Jesus. He's the one that can change you from the inside out. Our response is obedience. Our, our response is saying, okay, yes, yes, Lord. Our response is renewing our mind. Our response is making choices once we know the truth to live by the truth. And God's grace and power helps us. So what you need to understand is that God is thankful for you and it says that you are his treasured possession. If you could only sink those truths into your heart, into your spirit, you would live differently this week. Knowing God's assurance, not waking up every day saying, does God love me? Does God, is, God, does, is God with me? Does God care for me? You know, those questions can be answered very quickly once you've, once you've settled in your mind that you belong to God. And he paid a big price for you. You know, now after so many years of following Jesus, I don't have to keep reminding myself that God loves me. I know it. Now I do mess up at times, but I still know God loves me. And he will discipline those he loves. Don't, don't you think we're going to get away with stuff? But I don't have to question now whether God's me because my, my facts and my truth is based on what God has done, not on, not on what I do. And so you have to get rooted in your mind. You have to get rooted in your spirit that God loves me because he told me so and he did something about it. He sent Jesus. See, Jesus is the proof that God loves you. The cross is the proof that God loves you. And if only you could live with that, Isaiah 43 says this, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places. Do you know what those hidden treasures are? You. You. Riches stored in secret places. You were once in darkness and God searched for you and called you by your name 
and seated you in heavenly places, put a seal of ownership on you, a guarantee of what is to come. He's giving you the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, to help you manage through this life, to give him glory and honour. So the first thing that God is thankful for is his children. For those that put their trust in God, God is thankful for you. And if only you would grasp that truth today, that he loves you unconditionally. See, the Bible tells us that we are to love one another. If God is thankful for you, his church, then as the parts of the body need to be thankful for one another. We need to be thankful for the church that we belong to, the, the parts of, of gifts and abilities that we have so we can encourage one another, forgive one another, serve one another, use his gift, be patient with one another, prayerful, generous and thankful for one another. See, that is your, your ministry to the body. The first thing that God requires of us when we come to know the Lord, is that it gives you a ministry to the body of Christ, number one. That means your gifts, your ability, your availability, your generosity is there to help the people of God, to show appreciation to them, to encourage them. And that's what part of the fivefold ministry does, to, to equip the saints for work of ministry. But I, but I want to encourage you today, I want to try and shape us for the future in our church, that, that sometimes a church can get caught up with just about the body of Christ. That it's all about attending their needs and nothing else. And the, and the truth is that we have to care for one another. And that just can't come from the ministry team that's employed. That has to come from the body of Christ who, who encourages and cares and shares to one another as the church grows larger, as we become smaller in life groups. And we're going to talk about that in our next campaign and so, but that's only a part of the ministry that God has called each one of us. And so if you're in church today, if you say that this is your home, then God has gifted you so you can actually use your gift to serve one another here. So if you think about the gifts and the availabilities today as you've come to church, if you're not involved here, if you're only visiting, then, then you're welcome. But when you make this your home, then, then you need to think about how you can help and serve others coming. So when you look at the worship team, when you look at all the volunteers with the, the welcome and, and the kids' church, the majority of these people are volunteers of using their gifts to, to help love you. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. It's a ministry to the church. So you have to have a ministry to the body. So if you're not serving, then my goal for you is by the end of the year, get serving somewhere in the church or find a church where you like and begin to love where you can begin to lay your life down to serve the body and offer what God's put in you to help other people. That's what pleases God. But, but the problem is sometimes in church life that the church think it's just all about that. And we need to love one another and we need to care and we need to have pastoral visits. We need all that, but it's not the only thing that we need. Because if that's the only thing a church does, the church will die. Because the Dead Sea died because there was no outlet. The only thing the Dead Sea was good for is healing people. They would come for healing and process. And it's great, the church should be a place of healing, as a Christian even, on a journey of sanctification. But if that's all it is and there's no outlet, the church will die. If you look around our world and look at the churches that's dying, it's the churches that only look inward at themselves. They only think about them. It's all about them. And they don't even know what's happening in the world. 
So we need to be a church that is balanced, a church that loves one another, that uses our gifts and abilities to serve one another, to give, to serve, to be available, to strengthen, encourage one another as we see the day approaching. But we can't stop there. So God is thankful for His church. God is thankful for you, His people. But God is also thankful for those that are going to come into a new relationship with Him. Those that are outside our church, those that know nothing about Jesus, those people that you work with, those people that you live next door to, those people that's in your family that don't know Jesus yet, those are the people that God will be thankful for when they receive Him. See, Luke 15 says, I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. So what he's saying is, I'm thankful for the church, the righteous, I'm thankful for them. But there'll be an extra cheer when somebody repents of their sins and comes home and is added to the family. That's when I'm really thankful. God rejoices over those who don't know Him. And I want to say to you, church, if you are going to make this your home church, then this church will do our best to encourage you, strengthen you, and release you into your God-given potential. But we will not stop there, because if we stop there, we will die. This church is on a mission to see some people saved, people that don't know God, people that's going to a lost eternity, that we have a mandate from Jesus to go into all the world. That's not just the pastors, but it's you. Equip the church for works of ministry. So you have a ministry to the church, but we also have a mission to the world. Did you know that? And we will have to give an account of the mission to the world. We have to give an account one day because what I want to bring to Jesus, please listen to me, and I hope that your desire will be the same eventually, that what you desire to bring to Jesus is people. It's great that I give Him my tithe. It's great that I give Him my talent. It's great that I give Him my time, but I want to bring people to Him. I want to bring somebody that doesn't know God and bring them to Him and, and offer them as a gift which will respond in rejoicing and thanksgiving over souls who do not know Him. Jesus came not for the well, but for the sick. And I want to say as long as I'm senior leader here with my wife, Linda, we will always preach of encouraging the saints, but we cannot exist without reaching the lost. Because if we do, we'll die. And I want to bring as many people to Jesus as possible. In 12 months from now, we don't want to be saying, oh, look how great our church is. We want people on this day saying to us how I didn't know Jesus last year, but now I do. Our results of success is not how many seats we got in here, but how many people have said that I now know Jesus. Now, if you're from another church and you're finding this your home, then God bless you. But if you come here, you're going to be on a mission. I'll be talking to you till Jesus comes back that you've got to reach some souls. 
We have to get a DNA and a download from God that people matter to Him. And the increase of evil is ramping up and people without God are going to a lost eternity. And we have good news. But I somehow feel in my heart, not this church only, but somehow we get lost that we don't feel we've got good news and we no longer tell people about Jesus. Have you ever watched the, 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 the thing Undercover? What is it? The Undercover Millionaire? What is it? Someone help me. Undercover Boss. Wait, some of us are like Undercover Christians. We've got to break cover in our workplaces. Now, we haven't got to be religious idiots, but we've got to let Christ shine in our hearts, in our workplace. And will some of you go home this week and let somebody know that you're a Christian. Because some of us have been in work for years and nobody knows that you're a Christ follower. And who are they going to turn to in your workplace? Because you may be the only Christian in there, the only Christ that they're ever going to meet in that place with hope and despair. God as our church on a mission. The Bible says in Proverbs 11, the fruit of the righteous, the tree of life, and the one who is wise wins souls. If we're going to stay alive in this church, we have to see people come into Jesus. And the only way we can do that, we can do that in many ways. We can invite them to church. We're going to do the Alpha course in September, invite people to the Alpha course. But the other way is that when you leave church, you become on mission that you have the good news, your testimony, the life-changing experience of Christ in you, the hope of glory, that when you walk into a room with unbelievers, that there you can be an example of the goodness of God to that environment or that community. We have to break the silence. We have to let God out of the box. See, we always want to be filled with the Spirit, but the time we've left Sunday service is emptied because the Holy Spirit wants to go somewhere he wants to go to your neighbourhood. He wants to go to your house. He wants to go to your workplace because the Holy Spirit, His heart is breaking over humanity right now and the only hope of the world is the church. He hasn't got plan B. You are the church. We are the church. And we have good news. And the world needs to hear about Jesus. We can start, all of us, if you're born again, you can start by saying how he's changed your life. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be all like a, you know, a blockbuster film testimony. All you've got to do is like the guy that got healed of blindness. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Every one of you, if you know the Lord, you have something to tell somebody else. We're going to commission you today and online that God's going to give you opportunity to open your mouth this week. You see, there are a few ways where we can witness together as a church. And, and I just want to go through a few couple of things. The first thing is, is that we need to imitate Christ. That's our actions. Ephesians 5, 4 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. 
The Apostle Paul says that some people are an aroma of death and others are an aroma of life. Which one are you? I want to be an aroma of life to people. Now, I love ministering to Christians. My brothers and sisters, that's what we are. You might call me pastor, but we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love ministering the word to you and to encourage you and strengthen you so you can love God more and do more things for God. But also half of my heart is saying, what about those that doesn't know what we know? What about those that are, have no idea about this service today? Doesn't know the secrets that we have. Doesn't know the blessing we have. Doesn't know the promises that we have. What about those people that's dying right now without Christ? What are we going to do, Lord? And the only hope is us here as this church in Northampton with all the other churches in the UK and Northampton together, if we, if we can make the loss one of our priorities, that would be awesome. Not about competition, who's got the best church, the best music, the best lighting, the best venue. No, all that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. What matters is that people come to know Jesus. And the, one of the ways that we have to imitate Jesus, we're not going to be perfect. And Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I want to ask you, who are you following? What example are you giving to people that doesn't know Jesus? See, Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. When people see me and you, who do they see? Do they see anything like Jesus in the Bible? How he lived? how we operated with sinners, how we love people. You know, we're not going to be 100% like Jesus till he returns, but somehow in our journey, we've got to be different from the world. Peter says that you are his holy nation. Do you know what holiness is? Holiness is not about wearing makeup and going to the cinema. Did you know that? Holiness is being different. That's what holiness is. When we talk about God is holy, it means that God is different from any other there was no one like him. When it talks about Christians being holy, it means being more like Jesus. The more like Jesus you are, the more holy you'll be. It's not how many regulations and rules you can keep and what you do and what you don't do. It's are you more like Christ? Because the more you like him, the more holy you come. And the more freedom you get. A holy person, a real holy person is a free person. A religious holy person is a misery. Come on, say amen. amen. I want to free some of you today. If you get around a miserable holy person, they've got religion all over them and they're legalistic. You don't want to be around them. Do you know why they're not holy? They're just miserable. But you get around a Jesus person who is holy, you want to be with them just like sinners wanted to be with Jesus. So the more holy you be like, the more Jesus you become. And the more people that will attract to you. Amen. When you see me, you see the Father. You know, it was Gandhi that said, I would become a Christian if it wasn't for Christians. And when I read about why he didn't become a Christian, do you know why? He was so intrigued with Jesus, he went to church and they wouldn't let him in. They wouldn't let him in because of his class and also because of his race. And when he, then he was refused by the church because of those two issues. He said, I don't want to know this Christianity lark. So let me just say, when you see me, you see the Father. When people see us, we reflect something about the God that we sing about. 
That's why it's important that we have to imitate Jesus when we leave church. Because you are the church. And people need to see Jesus, not only hear about Him. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. How many times do people trample on our testimony when they see us living like the devil? You're getting so enthusiastic. Jesus is awesome, eh? hallelujah. And the next minute they see you, you're no different to the world. And your testimony is trampled on by men. Now there is redemption and there is forgiveness because we all mess up. But I want to say people are watching you. People are watching you as a Christian. They might not, might not say they are, but they're watching you. Are you different, not weird? Come on. Are you approachable? Or can't wait to get away from you. Because you just quote King James all the time and make no sense. Now, I love King James. Nothing wrong with it if I could understand it. But for those of you who love King James, I'm not knocking the translation, but you have to relate to people. With, would, would Jesus help people understand him? That's why he spoke in parables. And you get all religious on people. They don't want to be in your company. So he says... Let your salt, if your salt loses its saltiness. So what does salt do? Salt preserves and stops contamination. Jesus came to rub sin out, not to rub it in. And some Christians love rubbing sin in. They'll go and make a march to rub sin in. But Jesus said, there's no condemnation in me. He came to rub sin out and we are to be helpers in, in not helping the contamination of sin. So we're, we're in work and people are gossiping. You can help by not contaminating that conversation, by not gossiping. You are salt preserver. Come on, hallelujah. Change your conversation. Don't get in on it because you're not helping contamination. When, 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 you're, when people live in immorality and make choices to do things which is immoral, you, you, you choose by not living that way. You're not contributing to the immorality of people's lifestyles today. So the challenge with us today in our church life is that the, the pattern of this world, as Roman tells us, that we have to be transformed by the ruin of mind and not live according to the pattern of it. The pattern of this world is actually seeping into the life of the Christian. And we compromise the Word of God to, to accommodate the pattern of this world. In fact, some Christians today are even trying to change the Scriptures to, come, to actually compromise their lifestyles. And they, they say like, well, we need to move with the times. No, we don't need to move anywhere with the times. We need to stay in God's Word and live by His standards alone. And we're not going to move those standards so we can compromise our lifestyle so we can live our, our own sinful nature. Because what happened in Romans was they gave themselves over to immorality and sexual sins because they changed, listen, the truth for a lie. So when Paul says, renew your mind, because transformation comes by a renew mind, our goal now is, is to change lies for truth. And every time you leave church and go into the world system, they will present you lies. That's why you have to get to know the Word of God, because it's truth. And your mind needs to be renewed. And I am not moving from God's Word. I don't care what the scholar says. I don't care what that Christian leader says. Is it rooted in the Bible? Stop trying to change the text to live up to your lifestyle, because we want to be accepted by everybody else. 
We're here to please God and be different. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. So salt stops contamination. It also brings taste and flavour. So what, what Jesus is saying is that when you leave church service and you are the church and you leave into an environment of the world, we are to bring taste and flavour that Jesus is worth following. That the life that we sing about is a life worth lying, laying our life down. It's worth it. And we bring flavour to what Jesus has done for us. A life that is so grateful of the mercy of God. It brings flavour, not misery. Taste and see that the Lord is good. See, once you've tasted the goodness of God, it can't escape you. Now you will go through dips and dives and turns, but God's grace always finds you again and fills you up. And this is what salt does. Salt leaves you thirsty. Let me give you a little tip when you're witnessing to people. Don't give, them, don't give them Genesis to Revelation in 10 seconds. You'll choke them. Give them little bits. Make sure you leave the person wanting to speak to you again after the conversation. I've met non-Christians say to me, oh, that person got me in a corner and taught me for half an hour. I never want to speak to them again. You know what happened? They put the whole salt pot on that person. And too much salt ruins the meal. So the Bible says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Seasoned with salt, not the full pot on, so they don't want to talk to you ever again. Amen. I'll always deliberate and not give everybody the whole story. I want them knocking on my door and saying, tell me that bit again about God so love the world. I'll say, come back tomorrow. Why? Because I want to know if they really want to know. Because that way you don't have to force stuff down people's throat. Now when an opportunity comes and they say, well, you know, I really want to know Jesus. Of course, we'll do it there and then. But there's, there's wisdom in making sure you're sowing your pearls without going it to swine. Sowing it, wisdom, little word here, little word there, looking at their complexion, looking at their face. Are they interested? Are they not? As soon as they look a little bit disturbed, be quiet. Don't go, oh, now, this is it, opportunity, bang, going to get you the whole lot while I've got you. <laughs> They'll avoid you. Seasoned with salt. I'm nearly finished. And so what we've got to do, we've got to live a little bit more like Jesus. I'm not saying perfect because none of us are, but we have to try and imitate him. What will Jesus do? And then finally, we've got to share the good news. Our words matter. We have to tell people about him. We have to let the gospel release from our lips. Have you told the most important people in your life about Jesus? See, 2 Corinthians says, For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. People coming to know him, God is thankful 
4. Now listen to this sobering two passages. Stand with me. Stand with me. 2 Corinthians 5.19. Every one of you lift your hands. If you know Jesus in the place, lift your hands up. Here's your commission right now. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, not the pastor, through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Romans 10, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent or summoned? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Church, when Jesus in Matthew 28, 28 made the Great Commission, he sent the church to the world. Father God, I pray twofold in this place today and online that number one, that your people will be encouraged today that they are loved by you. That you belong to them and they are yours. And number two, Lord, would you allow us your grace and your Holy Spirit to help us to share this good news. No matter how that comes, Lord, this week, next week, I ask you, Lord, that you would help us to see opportunity. I help us, Lord, that you would give us boldness to, to be kind to people and to help them know how much Jesus has changed our lives. Father, I pray as Alpha starts in September that we'll be now praying for people that don't know you to bring them to it. Invitation, evangelism. Not every one of you is bold to knock on people's door or tell them about it, but you can invite someone to church or an Alpha course. We have leaflets made for you next week. You can give them one and say, I'm going to take you to the Alpha course to know more about the Christian faith. Every one of us can do that. And as Donna prayed today, she said something, and I'm going to finish with this. She said that God has summoned us. God has called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. I'm going to give opportunity for online and anyone in this building that doesn't know Jesus as their personal saviour. I want to say to you today, by the words of my mouth, from the gospel message that God is calling you. Online, whoever you are, no matter what your background is, no matter what, where you are and what you believe in God, God is calling you. In this building, I don't know how many times you've attended church, I don't know how much you know the Bible, but do you know Jesus? Do you know you've been forgiven? Do you know the Holy Spirit lives in you and a change has taken place? If you say no, then today God is calling you. Not yesterday, today God is calling you. Romans says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is the condition 
that you can come into a relationship with Jesus today. Number one, that Jesus died for your sins. He came to earth to die on a cross, to take the punishment that you deserved so you could have a real relationship with God. That your sins will be removed and judgment will be no longer on your life. No longer judged for your sins. When Christ returns, you will not be judged. You're forgiven in Christ. Not only that, you can have a relationship with God now and also assurance of eternal life in heaven for eternity. And the only condition for your life online and your life in this place is that you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour and you confess with your mouth and accept Him into your heart. That's the only condition. God summon you right now in your life. If that's you, then I want you to pray a prayer from your heart. I want you to say it out loud from your mouth if you really mean it. If not, then don't say it. But I want to say to you, God is summoning you wherever you are right now in this place and online. God wants to call you out of darkness and bring you into a relationship with him. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose again from the dead on the third day. And because of your death and your resurrection, judgment has been taken from my life. I have been set free. I am forgiven of all my sins, washed clean by the blood of my Saviour Jesus. I now repent of my sins and I ask you to forgive me and help me to turn from the way I've lived my life without you. I ask you to come into my life from this moment and fill me with your Holy Spirit. From this day, I put my life into your hands and I ask to live my life your way. Give me the assurance of eternal life today and I ask this in Jesus' name. For those online, if you've said that prayer, get on our website, connect with us. We want to send you some stuff. If you're in this room and you've said that from your heart and you don't know what's happened, but God is going to make himself real to you. And tell somebody you came with, there's some packs at the, the, at the desk, take some packs home, tell somebody. But if that's you today, I want to tell you, your life will be transformed by the love of God. Lord, I pray, will you help this church to win souls? Father, give opportunity to people that feel shy, that feel they haven't got a story. Lord, you give them opportunity this week, next week, to open the doors that we may share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen.